Book One, Chapter Six of the Mystical City of God, Volume Three, by the Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book One, Chapter Six, concerning a vision which was granted to Most Holy Mary when the child Jesus was twelve years old, and which was to assist in producing within her the perfect copy and image of the evangelical law. In the first and second chapters of this book, I began what I must now complete in the following chapters, but I do it not without misgivings, as to my halting and inadequate powers of expression, and with much more hesitation, on account of the lukewarmness of my heart, all of which make me unfit to speak of the hidden intercourse of the incarnate word with his most blessed mother. And especially do they make me unworthy of treating about that heavenly intercourse of the son and the mother at Nazareth during the eighteen years intervening between his dispute with the doctors at Jerusalem and the beginning of his public preaching in his thirtieth year. On the shores of this vast ocean of mysteries, I stand full of confusion and doubt, asking the Most High Lord from the bottom of my soul to transfer my pen to the hands of an angel, in order that no injustice may be done to the subject of the discourse, or that he himself, the most powerful and wise God, speak for me, enlighten my faculties, so that, governed by his divine light, they may be fit instruments of his will and truth, and be free from the human frailty of an ignorant woman. I have already said in former chapters that our great lady was the first and specially privileged disciple of her most holy son, chosen among all creatures as the model of the new evangelical law and its author, according to which he was to mold all the saints of the new law and judge of all the results of the redemption. In regard to her, the incarnate word proceeded like a most skillful artist who understands the art of painting and all that pertains to it most thoroughly who, throwing all his powers into one chosen work, seeks to gain from it alone renown and fame, as from the whole exposition of his art. It is certain that all the holiness and glory of the saints was the result of the love and merits of Christ. Letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 3. But in comparison with the excellence of Mary, they seem insignificant, and as it were, only rough sketches, for in all the saints are found defects. First letter of St. John, chapter 1, verse 8. But this living image of the only begotten was free from all imperfections, and the first strokes of his pencil in her were of greater beauty than the last touches in the highest angels and saints. She is the model for all the perfection of holiness and virtues of all his elect, and the utmost limit to which the love of Christ can proceed in mere creatures. No one received any grace or glory that most holy Mary could not receive and she received all that others were incapable of receiving, and her most blessed son gave to her all that she could receive and that he could communicate. The multitude and variety of the saints silently enhance the artificer of their great sanctity, and the greatness of the highest is made more conspicuous by the beauty of the lowest. But all of them together are a glorification of most holy Mary, for by her incomparable holiness they are all surpassed, and they all partake of so much the greater felicity as they imitate her, whose holiness redounds over all. If the most pure Mary has reached the highest pinnacle in the ranks of the just, she may also on this very account be considered as the instrument or the motive power through which the saints themselves have reached their station. As we must judge of her excellence, 
even if only from afar, by the labor which Christ the Lord applied for her formation, let us consider what labor he spent upon her, and how much upon the whole church. To establish and to enrich his church, he deemed it sufficient to spend only three years in preaching, selecting the apostles, teaching the people, and inculcating the evangelical law by his public life. And this was amply sufficient to accomplish the work enjoined upon him by the Eternal Father, and to justify and sanctify all the true believers. But in order to stamp upon his most holy mother the image of his holiness, he consumed not three years, but ten times three years, engaging in this work with all the power of his divine love, without ever ceasing hour after hour to add grace to grace, gifts to gifts, blessings to blessings, and holiness to holiness. And at the end of all this, he still left her in a state in which he could continue to add excellence after his ascension to his eternal father, as I will describe in the third part. Our reason is unbalanced. Our words fail at the greatness of this incomparable lady, for she is elect as the son. Canticles chapter 6 verse 9. And her effulgence cannot be borne by terrestrial eyes, nor comprehended by any earthly creatures. Christ our Redeemer began to manifest his designs in regard to his heavenly mother after they had come back from Egypt to Nazareth, as I have already mentioned. And from that time on, he continued to follow up his purpose in his quality as teacher and as the divine enlightener in all the mysteries of the incarnation and redemption. After they returned from Jerusalem in his twelfth year, the great queen had a vision of the divinity not an intuitive vision, but one consisting of intellectual images, one very exalted and full of the new influences of the divinity and of the secrets of the Most High. She was especially enlightened in regard to the decrees of the divine will, concerning the law of grace, which was now to be established by the incarnate word, and concerning the power which was given to him in the consistory of the Most Blessed Trinity. At the same time, she saw how for this purpose the Eternal Father consigned to his Son the seven-sealed book, of which St. John speaks. Apocalypse, chapter 5, verse 1. And how none could be found, either in heaven or on earth, who could unseal and open it, until the Lamb broke its seals, by his passion and death, and by his doctrines and merits. For in this figure God wished to intimate that the secret of this book was nothing else than the new law of the gospel, and the church founded upon it in this world. Then the heavenly queen saw in spirit, that by the decree of the most blessed trinity, she was to be the first one to read and understand this book, that her only begotten was to open it for her, and manifest it all to her, while she was to put it perfectly into practice, that she was the first one, who was to accompany the word, who was to occupy the first place next to him on the way to heaven, which he had opened up for mortals and traced out in this book. In her, as his true mother, was to be deposited this New Testament. She saw how the Son of the Eternal Father and of herself accepted this decree with great pleasure, and how his sacred humanity obeyed it with ineffable joy on her account. Then the Eternal Father turned to the Most Pure Lady and said, my spouse and my dove, prepare thy heart for the plentitude of knowledge and for receiving the new testament and law of my only begotten in thy soul. Excite thy desires and apply thy mind to the knowledge and practice of our teachings and precepts. 
receive from us the gifts of our liberality and of our love for thee in order that thou mayest give us fitting thanks consider that by the disposition of our infinite wisdom we have resolved to make thee a mere creature the closest image and likeness of our only begotten and thus produce in thee effects and fruits worthy of his merits therein shall his most holy name be magnified and honored in a fitting degree be mindful therefore my beloved and chosen daughter that a great preparation is required of thee and the most humble lady answered eternal lord and immense god in thy real and divine presence i lie prostrate acknowledging at the sight of thy infinite being my own insignificance which is mere nothingness i perceive thy greatness and my littleness i know that i am unworthy to be thy slave and for the kindness with which thou hast looked upon me i offer to thee the fruit of my womb and thy only begotten and i beseech him to answer for his unworthy mother and his handmaid my heart is prepared and it is overwhelmed with gratitude for thy mercies and consumed with affection as long as it cannot satisfy its vehement longings but if i shall find grace in thy eyes i will speak o my lord and master in thy presence asking only this that thou do with thy slave whatever thou wishest and commandest for no one is able to execute it unless thou thyself assist him o lord and most high king if thou desirest from me a heart free and devoted i now offer it to thee ready to obey thee and suffer for thee until death immediately the heavenly princess felt new influences of the divinity being enlightened purified and spiritualized with such plentitude of the holy ghost as to exceed all that had happened to her until that day for this blessing was one of the most memorable ones for the peerless and sovereign lady although all of them were exalted and without equal in any of the rest of creatures reaching the highest perfection yet in the participation of the divine perfections there is no measure as long as the capacity of the creature to receive them does not fail as this power of participation was so vast in this queen and increased with each participation the great gifts merely disposed her for still greater ones the divine power therefore not finding in her any obstacle set all its treasures in motion and laid them up in the secure and most faithful depository of the most holy mary our queen she issued from this ecstatic vision and betook herself to her most holy son prostrating herself at his feet and saying my lord my light and my teacher behold thy unworthy mother prepared for the fulfillment of thy wishes admit me anew as thy disciple and servant and make use of me as the instrument of thy wisdom and power execute in me thy pleasure and that of thy eternal father her most holy son received her with the majesty and authority of a divine teacher and instructed her in most exalted mysteries in most persuasive and powerful words he explained to her the profoundest meanings of the works enjoined upon him by the eternal father in regard to the redemption of man the founding of the church and the establishment of the new evangelical law he declared and reaffirmed that in the execution of these high and hidden mysteries she was to be his companion and coadjutrix, receiving and enjoying the first fruits of grace and that therefore she the most pure lady was to follow him in his labors until his death on the cross with a magnanimous and well-prepared heart in invincible and unhesitating constancy 
he added heavenly instruction, such as enabled her to prepare for the reception of the whole evangelical law, the understanding and practice of all its precepts and counsels in their highest perfection. Other sacramental secrets concerning his works in this world, the child Jesus manifested to his most blessed mother on this occasion, and the heavenly lady met all his words and intentions with profound humility, obedience, reverence, thanksgiving, and most ardent love. Instruction which the heavenly lady gave me. My daughter, many times in the course of thy life, and especially while thou art writing this history of my life, I have called upon thee, and invited thee to follow me, by the closest imitation possible to thee. I now renew this invitation and demand, for now thou hast, by the condescension of the Most High, received light and intelligence in the sacrament of his powerful arm in my heart. How he wrote therein the whole law of grace, and all the doctrine of the gospel, what effects this favor wrought in me and how I corresponded by the closest and most perfect imitation of my most holy son and teacher. The knowledge of all this thou must consider as one of the greatest favors ever bestowed upon thee by the Lord, for in it thou wilt find the sum total and essence of the most exalted sanctity and perfection, reflected as in the clearest mirror. The paths of divine light will therein be revealed to thee, whereon thou canst walk secure, from the darkness of ignorance enveloping other mortals. Come then, my daughter, come and follow me, and in order that thou mayest imitate me as I desire, and that thy understanding may be properly enlightened, thy spirit sufficiently ennobled and prepared, and thy will inflamed, separate thyself from all earthly things, as thy spouse wishes, withdraw thyself from all that is visible, forsake all the creatures, deny thyself, Close thy senses to the deceits and fabulations of the world. Psalm 39 verse 5 And in thy temptations I exhort thee not to be troubled or afflicted very much, for if they cause thee to halt in thy course, they will already have gained a great advantage over thee, and they will prevent thee from becoming strong in the practice of perfection. Listen therefore to the Lord alone, who is desirous of the beauty of thy soul. Psalm 44, verse 12. Who is liberal in bestowing his gifts upon it, powerful to deposit therein the treasures of his wisdom, and anxious to see thee prepare thyself to receive them? Allow him to write into thy heart the evangelical law. Let that be thy continual study, thy meditation day and night, the sweet nourishment of thy memory, the life of thy soul, and the sweet nectar of thy spiritual taste. Thus thou wilt obtain what the Most High and I require of thee, and what thou thyself desirest. End of chapter 6